Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy CRNA Moms. If you are a CRNA, a busy mom, or a busy CRNA mom, or a woman looking to permanently lose weight, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Brittany Kolb from Weight Loss by Brittany. I'm a busy CRNA mom and certified life and weight loss coach. And like you, I not so long ago struggled to lose the weight and keep it off. But once I shifted my mindset and learned how I could use my brain to reach my weight loss goals, everything changed. I was able to lose 40 pounds and knew I had to share the secret with others. I'm here to help you achieve your permanent weight loss goals by uncovering what might be holding you back. Let's get started. All right, friends, here we go. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to talk to you about this topic. And it's it's kind of an interesting one, right? Because when I tell people that part of my coaching program is going to involve teaching you how to feel and process emotions instead of eating them, it's a totally foreign concept because for a lot of us, we've never known any different, okay? If you've always used food to solve for your emotional life, for feelings of like stress or anger and anxiety, then this is going to be a totally new concept. But I'm telling you, if you can teach your brain to use food to solve for emotions, you can also unteach it, okay? It is totally possible to learn. It is a process. It is a practice, okay? And we're not going to talk about that specifically today because today we are going to talk about why it's hard to feel emotions, okay? Why like when I even bring up the topic, you're like, what? Feel emotions? I'm like, I don't really want to do, do that, right? So I always like to start by kind of normalizing this for you because, you know, especially if it seems like a challenge. And I just want to let you know that there is nothing wrong with you for not knowing how to feel emotions. You are not broken. This is totally normal. And the reasons behind this are multifactorial. So I'm going to go through a myriad of them um, in this podcast today. So number one. No one wants to feel negative emotions, okay? They are uncomfortable. Um, No one wants to feel uncomfortable. And I've done a podcast on that, on feeling discomfort. So go and check that one back out again. And for a lot of us, we were taught and told to fix negative feelings with food and booze. And that buffering negative emotions with food and booze was like totally normal, right? So like, I remember like growing up and like, I saw somebody like smoking and there was a conversation about it. And it was like, well, you know, everybody has a vice. That was the thought. Everybody has a vice. Everybody's got something. So some people smoke and some people eat and some people drink and some people over, like some people work a lot and some people do a lot of exercise. Everyone's got to have something. And I was just kind of like, what? Like now, like at the time, I was like, oh, yes, 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 totally fine to smoke. Yes, I get that. But like looking back on that now, it's like buffering is just like a normal part of our society. It's like a normal part of being a human in a lot of ways. It's like a totally accepted um, way to manage emotions in our world. And so, and then right then, if it was like modeled to you, if like, if buffering was modeled to you by your parents, like, of course, you're going to think this is totally normal to buffer, which like, again, looking back makes total sense. This concept of like, everyone has a vice, like what? Like, I mean, no wonder. And, And when it's modeled to you and when it's normalized in this way, 
no wonder I spent a majority of my life buffering away negative emotions. When I found this out, I was like, oh my God, this makes perfect sense. And like, I thought I was totally, you know, I was totally normal for doing that. But now it's like, oh wow, actually what I should be doing is feeling my emotions and processing my emotions instead of eating them. So I think there's like, that's one major factor. Um, Emotions were not necessarily normalized for us as children. And at a young age, I'm not really sure, depending on, you know, the family, like if kids were really taught to truly feel, identify and identify emotions, like I don't really feel like they were spoken about for a lot of us. Um, again, like our parents didn't really know any better. They didn't really know how to feel or process their own emotions, let alone help us process our own. And if you are kind of curious a little bit more about that, go back and listen to episodes um, 14 about all this. Cause I think there's, there's, I touch on that quite a bit. You know, here's another thing when you're a kid, right? You're told if you're upset, you're told you're okay. You're okay. Who got told that you're okay. It's like, um, maybe I'm not okay. You know, or don't cry, or you shouldn't be upset, or like shake it off, or you need to get over it. Like, we're told that what we feel, we shouldn't be feeling. We told that we're wrong for feeling these ways, or or even outright saying like, you shouldn't feel bad. Like, you have no idea what the kid is actually thinking in their brain that's making them feel so upset. Like, there's some model going on in there. In their, in their cute little brains that are going on. And it's like when those emotions are totally dismissed and not really honored, of course, like as a child, like you're not, you're going to be, you're going to be internalizing this as well, there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't be feeling this way, you know? And it makes it hard as a grown adult to want to feel those things. Then here's another fun thing that happens, right? When you're a kid, if you are like truly upset about something and you're labeled as having a tantrum, you are often put in like timeout, right? You're put in, you're put in like, go to your room, scream and cry by yourself, deal with whatever is going on in your brain by yourself. You're going to be shunned away from your family and from your entire support system. If you have, if you're having trouble dealing with your emotions, and I, I, I mean, if if that's how I was dealt with, I would not want to feel emotions. I can't say that I remember if that's how I was dealt with, but I'm just saying like, if I, that was me as a kid, I would just want to like, Mm-mm. I'd want to be like, nope, I'm just not going to feel shit. I'm just going to, I don't want to go to timeout. I don't want to deal with that. Like, I'm just going to be complacent and not feel anything and just shove everything to the side. You know, why would you want to feel emotions if every time you did that, you got punished? Right. And then, and then for some people, and I've heard this in coaching and it just breaks my fucking heart. It's like people, like kids will be told, like, I'll give you something to cry about when they start crying and get spanked, which just like almost brings me to tears at this point because it is just so, uh, it's like, it's like even for kids, right? Look, I, I think about my kid all the time and I'm like, his life is 50, 50, just like our lives are 50% positive emotions, 50% negative emotions, and he's going to feel them. Only kids feel them harder and more loudly and more drawn out and there's more tears. And it's just like, man, like, can you imagine being a kid and then being told, I'll give you something to cry about? Like, God, 
I mean, no wonder we don't want to feel these emotions. No wonder we don't want to feel upset. No wonder we don't want to cry. Of course. Oh, here's another one. Um, we're told we should be a big boy or girl and not cry. Big girls don't cry. Big boys don't cry. I mean, that's like another thing. Then we're also told, you know, kids are told, I don't want to hear it. Like, it's almost like, you know, this, these, your kid is trying to, or your, you as a child, you know, are like trying to vent something to somebody. And then you're being told, I don't want to hear it. I don't have time to hear it. I don't have time to deal with that right now. It's kind of like, you probably would have the thought, like, I'm having a hard time and no one wants to hear it. That's also like really confusing. And so, again, when we get in trouble for having emotions, we might think that, again, we're bad or wrong or for feeling a certain way, which can be really, really, really confusing for a child. And as we get older, it makes it even harder. Then, oh, here's another one. I just, I, I literally wrote like five pages of typed notes for this and I'm just like going through it all. It's, it's, I could not stop creating information for this because it just it just kept pouring out of me I was like oh my gosh and then this and then this and then this so I tried to put it in like in like good sections but I you know I'm, I'm doing my best I haven't had to write like true notes since anesthesia school so anyway okay so then oh here's the other thing you're like distracted as a kid for feeling emotions like you're distracted out of feeling them so like you start crying and like someone's like hey like, hey, here's this cookie. Hey, do you want to go get an ice cream? Hey, would a lollipop make you feel better? Like, hey, let's go get a piece of candy to cheer you up. So not only is it like you shouldn't feel the emotion, but also it creates this pathway of I should use food to feel better for this. Like food is exactly what I need to feel better. Not anything else. <laughs> There's like no other options, but it's like, hey, let's go fix this. And so for a lot of people, I think that's actually the first place where this buffering neural pathway started. And again, that's a pathway that we can work on rewiring and coaching. It, it gets created. We can we can break it and make new ones. Okay. Because we think so deeply that we use food to make us feel better because it started for us in childhood and we carry that into adulthood. So it makes perfect sense that this is a hard concept for people to 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 deal with. But again, this pathway was created. And we can also create new neural pathways, right? So at the end of the day, when it comes from like a kid perspective, like we were really, for, for a lot of us, we were never really given the opportunity to actually feel or process emotions or normalize them or really even understand how we were feeling and how to work through that. All right, here's another major reason why it's hard to feel emotion. It's, and it's because we think we should be happy all the time. Like society tells us we should just be happy all of the time. And thinking that we should be happy all the time just makes us feel like unnecessary suffering, right? It's just like it doesn't, it doesn't really serve us because truly, and I'll probably talk about this later because I remember writing notes about this, but I'm just going to bring it up now because I'm thinking about it. Like life is, and this is a big life coach school concept, is 50% negative emotions, like I said before, and 50% positive emotions. But we are given the um, expectation that we should always, almost always be happy. And we can create happiness by, of course, eating and drinking things and having things and buying things, right? But life, again, is 50%, it's 50-50, okay? And I think too, like, I think another thing that comes up for people is that like 
they think that they're ungrateful if they're not happy all the time. Like we have these beautiful lives. We have wonderful jobs. We have amazing families. We have amazing partners. We live in beautiful homes. Like, you know, but you're allowed to have a beautiful life and have the stress and anxiety that goes with it. And you're allowed to feel negative emotions. It's totally okay. It's again, it's, it's, it's part of the human experience to feel all these emotions. What's not part of the human experience is what, what ends up happening for people is instead of feeling that negative emotion, they just buffer that negative emotion in order not to feel part of that human experience for a temporary moment of time but then end up having a net negative consequence of having more energy on their body than they really need, even though they temporarily numbed out that negative emotion. And then the negative emotion is still probably there. It was just buffered briefly. So, okay, what's next on my list? I'm just going to keep going through. All right. Okay. Here's another reason why I think it's hard to feel emotions. I think there are societal stigma stigmas around people who feel emotions. I think for a lot of us, like you see other people feeling emotions and your brain might go to the thought of like that person's weak, which is again, like not a true thought, but it's like something that I feel like gets programmed into us in our world. Like, you know, then we think we're seen as weak. So if we're sitting there crying over something, like we don't, we are worried about what other people are going to think about us. And we don't want anyone to think that we're weak. Right. So like, here's like a really interesting example of this. I remember my brother, when he was um, in high school, he played lacrosse and he broke his collarbone. And I don't think any of us were there at the time. I feel really kind of bad about this still, but like, I don't think any of us were able to make his game. And he was retelling the story about how like, I think he got cross-checked and um, broke his collarbone. And he said in that moment that his proudest moment was and he knew he was really injured, was getting up and not crying despite being in insane amounts of pain. And he said that was his actually his proudest moment because he said he was proud that he was able to shove that pain and suffering down and get up and keep moving. And like as a source of pride and a symbol of strength and not weakness. And I just think that is so, looking back, like at the time, when I was like, I'm just a few, a few years older than him at the time, I was just like, wow, no, like you're so brave. You're so proud. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's horrible. <laughs> now I'm like, oh my gosh, like you poor thing. Like I, that is sad that like he couldn't feel that emotion. He couldn't feel the pain and the suffering and like the probably fear that he was having. He just, he knew that he wanted to be strong and stoic and not weak. Right. It's just, it's really sad to think about, honestly. Um, we also worry that we might have a diagnosis of like depression or anxiety and think that's a problem. And it's not a problem at all. There's no problem with that. That is, that is just a, that is, no, like it's not. So if you think it is, it's not, it's totally fine. Um, we think we might be seen as unstable that comes up for me sometimes. Like, oh, you don't want to be seen as unstable. We worry that we're different than our peers for having emotions. And we worry that there might be something wrong with which, which again is like, 
you know, kind of stems back to childhood. Like, am I, am I, am I like everybody else? Like everyone wants to, we're all pack animals, right? So we all want to be like everybody else. We want, we don't want to be different. And it's like, if we're different, then like there must be something wrong with us. Of course. Um, why else is it hard to feel emotions? Let's keep going. Okay. Oh, I know I personally have developed over time, like some incredible compensatory mechanisms for me not to have to feel emotions. Like I had the ability to try and will myself to like more or less forget that something negative may have happened, especially if it caused like a negative emotion about myself or any kind of shame. I would just be like, oh, yep, that just didn't happen. I'm just pretending like that didn't happen. Like it's just like, just, I'm just going to forget about it. Right, right. Rather than like feeling it, processing it, actually learning from the experience. I'm just like, no, 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 I'm just going to bloop, not there. And then I also had the ability to literally like, just like my brother, like swallow my stress and anxiety and shove it like deep into my stomach and move forward. Like really good at that for a long time. And I've mentioned this before, like I really, when I think about all the weight that I lost, I really do think that it was like 40 pounds of unprocessed, unfelt emotions that I was dealing with and that I ended up buffering with instead, coupled with some like over-desire, over-hunger, things like that. Um, what's, what's next on my list? Oh, we think that not feeling makes us strong and stoic. And I think you see this a lot in healthcare. And I think it's almost like a badge of honor. Like, I remember getting my ass kicked during a 12-hour shift in the unit and just being like, just being like, oh yeah, no, I'm fine. I can handle this out loud, but really and like underneath, like feeling fucking drained and exhausted and wanting to like curl up in a ball and cry. But it's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm fine. I'm doing just great. Like, thanks so much. No, I don't need water for 12 hours. I'm fine. Like everything's fine. You know? And I think like we wonder if we're struggling and our peers appear to, appear to be fine. Like, what does that mean about us? Are we making it mean that there's something wrong with us? Like, why can't I do this? Why can't I push through this? And I think it's also partially protective too. Like, I think in healthcare, especially as like nurses and nurse anesthetists and nurse practitioners, like we need to be strong for our patients and our peers and our bosses and for our employers, right? Like in a lot of ways, like we have this this idea in our brain that like, like we cannot break, you know, and, and especially being strong for our patients too. Like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and therefore there's no time and there's no um, space really for even feeling or processing emotions during any given day in a lot of, in a lot of situations. Um, and again, I think we worry about how our peers are going to see us and they, we don't want to be seen as struggling which is like a theme, I think, right? Because if you're, if you worry about whether people think of you and like, if you're, if you are struggling, what if you are struggling? Like, why is that a problem? Like, what are you worried about? I don't know. You know, it's hard to do in this situation. So, okay. For CRNA specifically, I think we are also really good at this. Like, anesthesia school is incredibly competitive to get into, Right. And we don't ever want a reason to get kicked out. Like we don't want to be seen as weak or unstable. Right. We want to be seen as like these perfect type A, like I can handle anything type of people because that's exactly how we have to be in clinical practice. Um, so I think for like two and a half or three years, however long your programs were, especially if you're in court and 
incorporated like a DNAP or a PhD, um, we just pushed through. We didn't have time to feel or process process emotions. We had a rigorous study schedule. We had a rigorous clinical schedule. We had a lot of information to learn in a very short amount of time. And there was just not, there wasn't time for it. There wasn't time to just like take, you know, take a moment and, and breathe, you know? And I know for me, since I didn't have like coaching or awareness or of how important it is to like feel feelings, like I would definitely cope with food, especially when you're up late and you're like studying and you're trying to like bang out, you know, like, like hardcore study session before like your next exam, like, yeah, you're open with food. Definitely go with food. You know, it's an easy, fast source of relief and comfort. You know, that was that was there for us during school. That was reliable. It's like, oh, I can always count on some Sour Patch Kids to make me feel better. I can always count on, you know, something to like get me through this. Right? So, and then in clinical practice, I know for CRNA specifically, we are expected to be on all of the time. Absolutely. And for, to be perfectly honest, we have to be like, there is, this is like, this is like a fact. This is a circumstance if we're putting it in the model. Like it is true. Like when we are in patient care scenarios, like we are on, like have to be. And just, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't know what a CRNA does, we are highly trained, um, masters and doctoral educated um, nurses that have an extensive set of knowledge base and skills in order to safely put you to sleep, keep you asleep, wake you back up, and manage everything in in between. Our job is to keep you safe and comfortable during anesthesia, right? Our job is to do all of that. And we are also emergency management specialists. So like anything happens, we figure it out, you know, and, and we're expected to stay calm under pressure because that's basically our job description. (laughs) And like I said, we have a set set of education and skills to handle that in the OR. And so even if we have like a funky case, there's like no time to decompress either. Like we actually literally have to move on to taking care of our next patient because we have an OR schedule to maintain. We have a surgery schedule to maintain. We have expectations of us, you know, and it's like you just keep moving forward. You just keep moving forward. You know, and we take 24-hour call, and a lot of times there's no time to breathe. There's no time to decompress. And I don't know about you guys, but I would, like, find myself stashing extra cookies for lunch for later just in case, like, shit went down when I was working just so I could, like, have a bit of relief or I would go find solace in like the graham crackers and peanut butter in the in the pantry or like the Lorna Dunes, that situation. But like what I really needed to learn was how to support myself without food at the time. So like, yes, our job is to keep our patients safe, but we're also human and we have feelings and we fatigue. And we also need time to like process and learn and feel like absolutely. And I think Two, um, we are super type A and super perfectionistic. Like, 
And we put a ton of pressure on ourselves as providers to be perfect. And if we're anything less than perfect, I think it creates feelings of shame and discomfort and unworthiness for the positions that we have and and for the jobs that we do. And it, that's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a big burden to bear for us. It's a huge burden to bear, putting that much pressure on ourselves all the time. And then because I think we're also type A, I think we're also like less likely and like perfectionistic and don't want to admit to ever having anything even remotely like odd happen or weird happen. I think for a lot of us, like we're like, I don't know, everything's fine. Everything did great. Like, you know, you know, some of us have gotten to the point where we're like, yeah, like we, we talk about the things that happen. We like, we learn from our experiences, but other people I know are just so like, you know, they're, they're just, they are holding on to that. Like they want to be perfect and they are perfect, but like not, no one is perfect. Anesthetics, there's an art to anesthesia, right? Every, there are, what is, I forget, someone always used to say there's like 10 ways to skin a cat, which I think is just like a weird thing, but it's true. Like there's so many different ways to do things and to do things right, do things well and to create amazing patient outcomes. Um, and just being grounded in the fact that like you are doing your best, that's all you can do. And there's always going to be opportunities to learn and to grow and to learn from our peers and to learn from other people. Um, and so, and like, I, I even wrote out this example, like you can have the patient with like post-op nausea vomiting and you can give them Jekadron and Zofran and Finnergan and a scope patch and do a Tiva, <laughs> okay? And do it all. And you can try your absolute best and they can still wake up nauseous. And it sucks. But like, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with you. Like you did everything you could. You know, but we internalize that kind of stuff. We internalize as that like, oh, I should have been better. I should have done better. Like, why didn't I do better? I should have known. I should have gotten that like wrist, you know, pressure point thing too. I should have done that. I should have given more fluid. Like who knows? Like, right? Like there's like, there's like the factors that you can control and then there's the factors that you can't control. So I think it can put us in like a cycle. I think in anesthesia, we can get a cycle of shame and frustration, which isn't useful a lot of the time. And, you know, and for people, if you don't know how to deal with your emotions and you don't know how to deal, manage your mind, you don't know how to kind of calm your brain down, like a lot of the relief that you can get temporarily, especially when you're working long shifts, is from food. Like a lot, that's how a lot of us have learned to cope. Um, and really, I mean, like what would be better and probably more cathartic and um, create like a better learning experience is like if we actually like take moments between cases, like talk at lunch, like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, like talk about our experiences, like have these opportunities for everyone to um, kind of like thought download, <laughs> like thought dump, you know, their days you know, maintaining patient confidentiality, of course, like obviously, but like kind of unload their days so that like we can learn from each other. So we can learn from experiences, 
right? Like, and that's part of the reason why I love um, group coaching because I love when, you know, one of my clients will be like sharing their story and then like three other clients will be like, oh my gosh, that exact same thought popped into my brain. That exact same thing happened to me while I was working. That exact same thing. And it's like, we're all going through a lot of the same things together, but we just don't know it, right? We think that we're alone in this process and that's just not true. And so that was one of the things that like I realized and how powerful it is, is just like being in a support system, having a support system for each other, especially when you're trying to lose weight is like so powerful and knowing what other people are going through. It is just, it is just like an incredibly powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And then, or what's even more amazing is like, right? Like, so in anesthesia, right? You like, oh yeah, like this, 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 you know, my other CRNA peer said that like, they did this during this procedure and it worked out really, really well. Like, I'm going to try that, you know, and the same thing happens for, and then you do it yourself, right? Cause you've already heard about it. You've already been like, oh, cute off. Like, yeah, like that was a great idea. I'm going to do that. And it's like, oh yeah, I remember when my group coaching peer went through this exact same experience and now I'm going through it, but I know how to handle it because I've already learned from her. Isn't that amazing? Like, it's just, it's, oh God, it just blows my mind. It's so beautiful. Um, so man, I just keep talking and I still have so much to talk about. It's amazing. Um, and again, like I think same thing, like because we, we go into, if you didn't really know how to feel or process emotions or re- think it's okay to have emotions going into anesthesia school, you sure as hell are not going to be able to come out of it that way. <laughs> like there's no way. <laughs> like it's just that, yes, it is. We are allowed to feel emotions. It okay. It is okay to feel emotions. It is okay to feel negative emotions. Like all of this is fine. Um, oh, and as another like major aside, I think I am just so tired. And I feel so like, you know, just seeing women in healthcare being so overworked, so tired with incredible expectations to be on all of the time, putting incredible pressure on themselves all of the time, all at the detriment of our own health. Like, not really knowing how to support themselves properly in these moments without like the comfort of food, like creating results that they really don't want for themselves. It's like, you know, it's just, it's rampant in our healthcare system. And if we want a community of providers that are safe and effective and amazing that taking care of their patients, we also need a community of providers who know how to like take care of and support themselves that's going to be the most effective provider. It's one that also knows how to take care and support themselves. So um, let's see. Oh, and this is where I was going to talk about 50-50 life coach school um, concept, but I think I already did that. Um, But yeah, another really takeaway. So when you live in like the 50-50 of 50% negative emotions, 50% positive emotions, you're living the entire human experience. And when you buff away the negative, you temporarily numb out that negative, but have an additional, like I said, net negative consequence or net negative result by having more energy on your body than you'd like, creating even more negative for yourself, right? Do you see how that works? So the thing is, is like emotions don't need to be fixed. They don't need to be solved for. They don't need to be buffered away or neutralized. They can be felt. Like you are allowed to feel your emotions. You are safe to feel your emotions. And there's nothing wrong with you for feeling your emotions. You know, like, and when I was thinking about this, I was like, you know what is actually to me like a symbol of strength? Like to me, 
is seeing someone who is strong enough to say out loud how they're really feeling and to show their emotions comfortably. That to me is a sign of strength, right? Being confident enough in yourself to know who you are as a person to and allow yourself to feel whatever this human experience has to offer them. Like that's that in itself is amazing. Looking at someone who is able to feel all their emotions and is vulnerable without having to shove them down, dismiss, buffer, forget. I mean, that's not strength. Like not feeling emotions and buffering them is not strength. It's not. Being able to feel and process your your emotions, that is strength. That right there is amazing. Feeling and processing emotion takes way more strength than buffering away with food and booze ever could. I mean, even action pack, you guys, my son is four. Like there is a cartoon my son watches that's action pack and one of the characters in it, what's his name? Damn it. He's the blue guy. He shoots lightning bolts. Anyway, he, I can't put Watts, duh. Okay, he was, you know, in this in this thing, like I was feeling so mad and then I was feeling sad and I just wanted to keep going. So I pushed my emotions down and now I'm completely out of energy. And like his buddy Clay comes over and is like, like, what did he say? It's like, it's okay to have emotions like, and not shove them down. Having emotions makes you stronger and feeling and having feelings is like part of who you are. Something to that effect. You know, and it, even in my kids' show, it's like, no, it's okay to feel emotions. It's okay to like feel your feelings, which I think is like such a great, such a great thing. So like maybe some of this is resonating with you. Maybe I missed something, but like, why do you think it's hard to feel emotions for yourself? Like, how are your emotions handled as a child? And what did emotions kind of symbolize for you growing up? You know, like, I think that's where a lot of this really, really starts. And what I want to ask you is like, if you could go back in time as a child, and if you were upset, you know, how would you want to be approached by someone who loved you? How would you want them to offer, like, would you want them to offer you a cookie and like tell you to feel better? Or would you want them to give you a hug and like let you cry and hold space for you to feel all your feelings? Like, which would be better? Like the cookie or the support, right? And it's like, I want you to kind of ask yourself now, like when you're upset, like how do you want to support yourself? What does that look like? What does that look like without food? It can look like a lot of things. Um, so just as an aside, if you are listening to this again and you're like freaking out about the way that you are approach your children when it comes to emotions, please, I'm not here to make you feel bad about this, like at all. Trust me, before I found like Montessori school and and we are in like a Montessori school book club and like before I found all that, like I was kind of recreating generational patterns um, without without knowing it. And because again, like those are pathways that are in your brain. They were handed down to you. And almost like in coaching, well, basically like in coaching, like you have to create new neural pathways on how you approach like your kids. And that's okay. So again, nothing has gone wrong. You are perfect. You've done everything perfect. And if you do want to change, um, the way that you are maybe approaching your kids or looking for resources and how to do that and maybe like helping them, helping you help them navigate their own emotions and being comfortable with them. Two of the resources that I have loved um, as a parent 
are um, Janet Lansbury. I think she has the Unruffled podcast. She is phenomenal. She also wrote a book called Toddler Discipline Without Shame. Some of you guys are probably out of toddlerhood by now, but it's an incredible book. Um, she is like, I wish like I could be like in a lot of ways, like just channel her. I think she, um, a lot of the concepts she teaches are super, super great. And then, um, again, if you're really looking for like really good tools for how to, um, allow your kids to have emotions and like hold space for them and, um, just help just help yourself interact with them hand in hand is another great um resource you can like go on their website they have like five tools for um approaching children and it's just like it those are like two just really great super straightforward things that I think are super useful for parents um navigating all of this with their kids so anyway, that I think ends this podcast. I just, not a minute too soon. <laughs> um, I think this is the first time I actually have just gone straight through without stopping. So you're probably like, I wish you would have stopped and recollected your thoughts, but that's okay. So anyway, guys, um, thank you so much for listening. I really hope this was helpful for you. Again, in these podcasts, I'm basically just rehashing the things that I realized as I was losing my weight and I am just here to try and help provide this information to you so that maybe it will help you as well in your weight loss journey. And like, this was a huge component of like, wow, like, why is it so hard? Why did it not even occur to me that feeling my feelings was like an option, you know, and like going through all of this, I'm like, oh yeah, this makes perfect sense. So anyway, I, as always, I always hope this helps you. I am here literally now on this earth just to help women who want to end their battle with food and permanently lose the weight. And that is what I do. So again, if you're a CRNA, I'm closing, I'm going to drop this podcast in like a hot minute. And then I'm closing my um, group uh, coaching enrollment at the end of this week. Uh, this is like the third week of June, something like that. And then um, there will likely, I don't know when the next one will be, but it won't be this year. Um, yeah. So I really hope I can help you guys out with that. It'll be a blast. It's going to be amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to stop rambling now and I will talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Weight Loss for Busy CRNA Moms. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. And if you like what I shared today, you should also check out weightlossbybrittany.com for even more great weight loss tips, some of my favorite recipes and mindset tools that I use to lose 40 pounds. Once there, you can also book a free consultation with me, Brittany Kolb, your certified life and weight loss coach. <laughs>